We're going to talk Pac-12 quarterbacks and Pac-12 football news right now on 12-Pack Radio. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Oh, shoot, you know it. Welcome back to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your ears, in your face, in the world, covering Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 basketball news sometimes, and Pac-12 recruiting news. This is Brian Conger. It was a Wildcat Radio and 12-Pack Radio, and it is a beautiful day. We have college softball is in the air, and to celebrate that and, and dedicate this entire podcast to college softball is Mr. Uh, Rob Bowron. What's going on, Rob? Yeah, they're, uh, the Pac-12 got a really weird draw where they're playing mostly each other. I think Arizona and UCLA play tomorrow after Arizona already played Washington. But of, course, of course they would. That, that's, what, <laughs> that's what the ESPN overlords want, Rob. <laughs> it's just uh it it just it seems a little loaded on on uh on uh putting in the you know the best pack 12 teams against each other so do you think that larry um, scott was like this is great we're, we're going to show how strong we are as a conference by pitting our own teams against each other and everybody will watch i mean i guess i guess you get their west coast ratings but then again the arizona washington game i believe was at 9 a.m yeah. on the west coast so <laughs> great job well, that is, not, <laughs> that is neither here nor there. Uh, we are definitely talking <laughs> football today. and But congratulations to UCLA, Washington, and Arizona for making it to the uh, College Softball World Series. But we are 12-Pack Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at 12PAC Radio. Subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, uh, Spotify, any podcast catcher. We are out there. Leave some reviews. Leave some reviews. We're uh, getting getting back into football season. We're going to start going through some of these teams and, uh, and our website, which... We're going to have some changes. We're going to have some changes. But right now, it's still WildcatRadioAZ.com, where you can find all of Rob's beta rank, advanced college football metrics. And you, let's let's talk some news first, Rob. Let's talk some news. What's going on? Uh, well, for starters, the, the, the big news is the, uh, the Marvin Lewis was was hired on as a, an analyst at Arizona State um, to some to some fanfare. They held a press conference. Uh, he lives in Phoenix, uh, and I think at least part of the year. So, um yeah, it's it, it seems like a pretty big get for Arizona State, uh, you know, and somebody that they can tout as uh, being involved and around the program. Yeah, I would say, like, you know, who would have thought that the new leadership model is acting like an adult on the sidelines and hiring interesting people? Like, that's that's a great yeah. leadership model. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, really kudos to Herm Edwards on, on on this one. I think he's he's. He's yet to really put a foot wrong when it comes to the the public relations part of the job, uh, and I think people underestimate how much of uh, how much of that is head coaching is is that. You know, I'm doing the uh, 12-pack radio Arizona State preview for our preview magazine, and one of the things that really stood out to me, if you actually go down and you dig into the recruiting class that they had this last year, um, not only did they out-recruit Arizona for the for two years in a row, right? If you're an Arizona fan and you get a new coach or any any fan, UCLA, you know, oh, it's it's his first year, you got to wait for him. Like, first of all, UCLA, <laughs> LOL, yeah. when it comes to recruiting the <laughs> first year. But I think they're actually figuring that out. But, uh, you know, down in Tucson, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, it's someone's first year and it's a, someone's second year and we're just not getting the right. Like, 
I mean, Herm Edwards, to his credit, is out recruiting Arizona and has proven in terms of the hiring of Antonio Pierce and just his ability to go into that living room and be and be a, a regular, nice, good person. <laughs> like that, that counts for a lot in college football where you have a lot of sleaze going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Herm Edwards, from a, the standpoint of, of his hiring, was was really hired to close the deal on a lot of recruiting situations for Arizona State. And it's not it's it's not the wrong approach necessarily. I mean, most head coaches, unless they are unless they're an excellent coordinator in their own right, you know, like a Mike Leach or a Mel Tucker uh, at Colorado, like they're gonna delegate um, you know, the play calling and a lot of the game planning. Um, and at that point, like you're the you're the CEO in the face of the program, you know, and, and you need to go in and um, close the deal on recruiting and and Herm Edwards is good at that. To be fair, they could go seven and five again this year, so that or, or worse. Or I don't better. think. I mean, I, I think that's pretty likely. I mean, for, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, because of I mean, hello, the quarterbacks, right? Right. I mean, we don't know. I mean, no, no, Manny Wilkins, no, uh, Nikhil Harry, um, and I. I thought Rob Likens did a lot better than we expected off of last season for sort of coming in, but. Um, I think the offense, the play calling got predictable at times, and I think Arizona State lost some games because of it. Oh, for sure. And and I think some of the clock management, some people put that on Manny Wilkins, but there's a couple games with Edwards where even if Wilkins isn't calling the timeout, the head coach has to call the timeout. <laughs> you know, like you can't throw it all right. on the shoulders of the quarterback to do clock management, especially somebody that's in the heat of actually playing and all that stuff. So, no, no, yeah. that's actually the, that's the coach's job. <laughs> like you're, that, that, that's part of the head coach's job, like PR, recruiting, manage the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about ASU and we'll talk about some of the quarterback situations here. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, I'm going to switch to basketball real fast before I forget. And then we'll switch back to football here. Um, Donnie Tillman returning back to Utah. Great news for them. Um, I think he was the sixth man, Pac-12 sixth man of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then Peyton Pritchard announced that he's coming back to Oregon. So uh, like never count out, never Never count out Dane Altman, especially when he has a good point guard. And that's good because they really did need some influx of stability there at Oregon. They had a lot of people that were considering leaving or left, and now they got new players in. And it's kind of the the problem with the one and dones, right? Like you, you roll through them and then they leave. You roll through them and they, they leave. But you get somebody like Peyton Pritchard who comes back. I think it's his senior year, if not it's his junior year. And, um, man, he had a great, great year last year, particularly at the end of the year and particularly in the tournament. It was really a pleasure to watch him play. So very excited to see him one more year in the Pac-12. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Oregon, I don't know that you would say that they're a favorite, but it definitely puts them up there with the puncher's chance. And, and Pritchard was just on at the end of the season and through the back 12 tournament. Oh, and Casey Okpala is staying in the NBA. So I, I joked about this on Twitter. I'm kind of recycling my own jokes, but so Stanford's best player next year is probably Jared Haas, like their coach who was a Naismith <laughs> all American player at Kansas for a while. Um, Stanford's going to be, I mean, I think everybody realized that Okpala was going to leave. His numbers were awesome. He had a great statistical year and the rest of that team was pretty hot garbage. So, uh, <laughs> so like you got to kind of bounce when you get the money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't never begrudge anyone a chance to go make a bunch of money. Going through a couple other things. So ASU uh, got a four-star JUCO transfer in Khalid Thomas, who had offers from a lot of uh, universities. I, I know Oregon was on there. I'd have to go back and look at some of the other schools. But major offers from across the country, big JUCO guy. So uh, Bobby Hurley continues to build talent there. Whether or not he could make something out of them in the NCAA tournament is yet to be uh, yet to be realized. But you know, could happen, could not, but uh, it's always good to get an influx of talent. So pretty, uh, good, good on them for continuing to build that up. 
anything else? I mean, I have a couple other recruits in football, but anything cross your eye as you were scrolling the Twitters? No, no. I mean, Oregon State got a guy back from the draft whose name I can't remember, but that gives them a decent uh, with Trey's Tinkle and somebody else. They have a decent threesome coming back next season. Uh, Randa Troy had talked about Jack Yari announced his commitment to USC. He's a three-star tight end. And one of the things that will be good and fun to watch is USC will still continue to use the tight end in their offense. Alicia Deartorl has been talking pretty heavily about that. Graham Harrell is talking about that. And hey, you know, if you actually use tight ends, then they come to your school. So congrats to USC for getting him. And Oregon State got a four-star commit to their football program. I was like, what? Like, how, did, how did that happen? They did. They got a wide receiver that a lot of people wanted, uh, and I, I, I really, uh, I really do think that Jonathan Smith is one of the better play callers in the conference. I think people, I think he's going to recruit well uh, by Oregon State standards, and he's going to coach him up. And uh, that, that offense, I think, could be good in for years to come. For sure. A couple more things. LSU is going to play USC in the Dirt Bowl, <laughs> basically in basketball next year. Like, I just think that's great. <laughs> it's like the two dirtiest programs right now. Uh, you know, of course, there's a couple other ones, but um, I thought that was pretty funny. San Diego State is going to play Utah, and the difference in the fan base could not be more. I mean, I think it only surpassed by when Wisconsin came down to Provo, Utah, to play BYU. I think that's probably a good discrepancy in terms of the fan base, too. But I think uh, I think San Diego State could give give uh, Wisconsin a run for their money when it comes to the adult beverages. Anything else? Any other any other news here? No, no, I can't think of anything. Okay. I think we got it news wise. Yeah, follow it. So by the way, like follow us on Twitter at twelve pack radio at one two PAC radio. Um I'm trying to to I used to, Rob and I switched in terms of Twitter feeds. So on Wildcat Radio, what I figured out I was doing was like basically retweeting all Pac twelve news to Arizona fans. <laughs> And so I switched over <laughs> to the Pac-12, uh, the 12-pack radio Twitter feed so I can like kind of comment on stuff. And uh, I just figured since I was doing it anyway, I might as well just do it for the, the proper Twitter account. So follow us, 1-2-P-A-C radio. Um, Rob, let's talk some quarterbacks here. <sighs> like, <laughs> we, we, I, think, I think the Pac-12 has good running backs. I think they've had some good secondary talent. Um, they've clearly had some bright spots. I was looking over this. Uh, quarterback quarterback field normally this this conference is known as an offensive powerhouse brilliant you know offensive minds good quarterbacks and i'm just looking at the returners going i mean it's fine pretty thin yeah pretty thin i mean it is i mean you you get outside the top two and you're like uh i mean we could have uh i mean i i'm how excited are you for some teams that might not go bowling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it matters. Like I mean, we just talked about ASU and I'm, I'm going through their, their talent on defense and offense. And I'm kind of talking myself into, Oh, they actually might have a decent year like this could. And then I go, Oh, they're probably going to start a true freshman quarterback. And that, unless you're in the sec normally doesn't work out very well, <laughs> very well. Right. Um, it works yeah. out the second year usually, but that first year could be a little bit difficult. Um, Let's, but let's, let's start with the teams that already have the quarterback. And instead of ranking them, let's, let's go through uh, one to five, like great, good. Okay. Ugh, or, you know, red flag, that gif of the guy coming in with a pizza on fire or whatever, like that, that's kind of the, <laughs> like, the last one, which is my favorite gift. Um, let's do it that way to kind of get a good feel for where we think some of these teams are. Uh, who do you want to start with? Uh, we. Should we, should we start where, like, I am I am sure that there's trouble? Let's start with UCLA. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you, okay, okay, before you start, you've talked about why did they play uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson more. 
and my my answer in my head, and I haven't said this out loud, was did you watch him play, Rob? Did you see him play quarterback yeah, on the field? Let him work terrible. it out, man. And, like, and he has the Khalil Tate, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? It seems like he had that Khalil Tate ego problem as well. I don't know. It just it struck me as there, there was something off there. Well, I would imagine playing as badly as he did, more of that would take care of some of that ego problem. Uh, <laughs> That's true. But I mean, the, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, if, if USC can manage to like throw, you know, roll JT Daniels out there, uh, you know, every week and keep getting him more game experience, I don't, I fundamentally do not understand choosing, to, especially given how hard UCLA's schedule was last year because UCLA was, was done basically after week four. <laughs> um, and it's, there, so I, I guess I look at it and I'm like, why you, you were eliminated from bowl contention? I think at like week week seven. So what what was the deal? Um, why not why not play the young guy? Why stick with Wilton Spate? Um, it just felt it just felt odd because they were so thin at quarterback. And and Thompson Robinson was the I mean really the jewel of that recruiting class that Kelly signed um, right after he took the job. Uh, and everybody thought he was really going to fit in. And I mean, it was to say it was, I mean, it was acrimonious. I mean, Thompson Robinson's dad is like lighting up Chip Kelly on Twitter, uh, for the play calling. Um, and the play calling wasn't great. I mean, it was, I, I don't know that they gave Thompson Robinson really the best shot that he would have had to, to, to be successful in a lot of cases. Cause really, I mean, he's, he, you need to make the reads easier for him and, and his using his legs and his speed, um, to be able to make the defense focus in on that part of him, uh, would open up and make the reads easier. And, and they didn't do any of that. It was, it was just, it was a strange, strange. And I don't even know if they have anyone good behind. I mean, it's, it's Dorian Thompson Robinson this year, I believe. I don't, I, I don't, he, I don't know that he's been anointed, but I don't know if they have anyone else. Uh, yeah. My question to you is, do you think they try to go out and get a, a grad transfer, but I'm not sure like who's out there, right? Like I don't, I don't see. Like you're it. still on the market. Absolutely. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm like, look, trying to look at the roster, going, who can push him? So no, I mean, I mean, if if playing spate was sort of to teach Thompson Robinson a lesson and and force him to you know and say like, listen, you're you're not prepared and you're not um, you're not preparing properly for it, you know, that's fair. Uh, I just I find it, I just find it. Str- I guess I just find it strange because. Given how bad the year was, I mean, man, smoke if you got them. Like, just just play the young guys. Like, I mean, having running out Wilton Spates so that you can beat USC, I, mean, I guess it makes the fan base feel better. But it just seems strange um, to to see Thompson Robinson on the bench on a, on a really lost season in Westwood. So coming into this season. As bad as it was last season, uh, is five bad or good? I mean, like, what's the? Is it one to five? Let's do one to five. One to five. Bad, so five what being is bad. what is five being bad? I mean, this is a he's he's a four star recruit. You know, he was the number. I believe he was the number one dual threat uh, quarterback in the country. Uh, but it was so bad last season, and I just uh, I gotta give it a I gotta give it a five. Oh, I man. think it's that bad. I mean, is it, I mean, like, if you're going to give anybody in the conference a five, uh, isn't it this one? I'd have to. We, let's go through a couple other ones because there's no be. depth behind him either. Like, they didn't sign a. I might give Cal a five. Just, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get no. That's Cal true. Five. But it, but I mean, like, they didn't sign it. They didn't sign anyone great this year, QB wise, in this class either. So which is really malpractice. Any, which, like that is malpractice. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, so 
I mean, we, we, you already made the joke about it, but I mean, UCLA didn't sign a single four star in this last class. Um, so that definitely means they didn't sign a four star highly regarded QB. And it's not that three star QBs don't also turn out, you know, to, to play some good college football, but, uh, stars matter. Uh, <laughs> and, and ASU just recruited three quarterbacks. One of them was in mission Viejo, which is like 30 minutes from UCLA. Like that's, that's insane. It's insane that they did that. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they really do have to step well, it up. With all of the, I mean, it seems it seems, and I'm I'm not exaggerating this. That I mean, quarterbacks tend to transfer more than other positions, um, and the fact that they weren't able to bring in anybody on not just a grad transfer, but I mean, just a regular transfer uh, in to sort of you know bolster the QB room is just it's perplexing. I mean, I don't I. You know, Tip Kelly's got the reputation as the mad genius. You know, he may prove to be smarter than you know all of us, but it has it has not been an auspicious start from a personnel standpoint. No, no, we spent way too much time on UCLA's quarterback. Let's. Uh, where else do you want yeah. to go? Um, do you, do you want to go just right across town? Do you want to go to USC? That's a fun one. Oh my gosh! So I've been listening to a lot of. I'm also doing the USC preview, so. Um, listening to a lot of Alicia De Artola <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, D- uh, Dave Abraham, right? Is it Dave? The, the guy over at it's uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan Abraham. Abraham, yeah. <laughs> and they they are a little bit more um, like Aber- they're both kind of Debbie Downer on the program, which they should be, right? Like just considering where yeah. it's been, and I think they're fair. They're fairly De- Debbie Downer. Um, they don't just do it to do it. Uh, Abraham tends to be a little bit more. Um, positive on the jump that JT Daniels can make. And I don't think Deartola likes, I think she wants like to any of the backups. I forget which one transferred. If it was Fink or, uh, uh, yeah, Fink transferred. Or, I think she wants it to be Sears, which, which does not, which does not make me confident in JT Daniels being the head guy. But at some point, like you have a new offensive coordinator, Helton's trying to turn stuff around. Yeah. Obviously the talent's there, but it seems like their offensive line is probably still a mess. So you have JT Daniels still running around maybe a little bit. I, I don't, I don't know. No, I mean, I, there's look, JT Daniels didn't have, he, he, he's not Trevor. Not everybody turns out to be Trevor Lawrence, you know, the, as a true freshman. So he played like a true freshman. Um, I think it's reasonable to expect some growth. The air rate, you know, that Harold's bringing in. Um, I don't think Harold is anything, anything like the play caller Kingsbury is, but you know, it should simplify the reads that, that, uh, Daniels is getting. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that there's room for improvement. I mean, I, you definitely, with all the experience he got um, last season, you, you feel I feel better certainly about than I do about UCLA uh, for this one. But there's there's questions. I mean, the, the the wide receiver they have a lot of top end talent, but they don't necessarily have the depth behind it. You're right about the offensive line. Do they have a running? I mean, last year the running game basically evaporated. Do they have a running game that that they can lean on at all? Um, and Harold, you know, traditionally comes out of a more air raid pass first offense. So, you know, the running game is something that he's you know going to have to incorporate more in. Yeah, uh, like uh, I mean, three? I would I, like that. Yeah, I give generous? him a three. Yeah, I mean, I think see, I mean, Sears is a four-star recruit. Like, there's definitely depth there behind Daniels. There's somebody to push him, you know, along. Uh, it's not. It, they're 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 well ahead of where say UCLA is. Yeah, looking at his numbers, so 2,600 yards, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 59% completion rate. True freshman. I mean, true freshman. Yeah. 
And, and I think he was actually 18. I keep pretending like he's 16 because they kept building that up. Oh, he technically should be in high school still. I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's like, he's, he, uh, he can smoke cigarettes. He's, he's allowed to be on the field. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Where, where else do you want to go? Uh, let's do, let's do Utah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah. Okay. I love this team. I don't love the quarterback. <laughs> right? I mean, and I don't love the wide receivers, to be fair. I like they just that for whatever reason, Utah and I like Britton Covey. I think he's he's a good he's a good wide receiver. I would take him at, at my team. Um as as a whole, I don't think their wide receiving core is an elite unit. And then you add and then you add somebody um like Tyler Huntley. And that's where things start being a problem. The, but but on the other side, you have like the nastiest of nasty defenses, and you have you have Moss as your running back. So maybe you don't need to really yeah. rely on him that much. But at some point, you got to sling the ball around a little bit. I mean, I, I I like Huntley to have a to have a bit of a breakout year this year. Actually, I think that his his completion percentage was good. He he didn't push the ball down the field much. So he only had 7.6 yards per attempt, um, which is fairly low. And he was he was injured, so. He's, you know, he's got a 12 to six TD ratio to interceptions. That's pretty good. Um, could be, could be better, but I think you'd have to have him not get injured. Um, what I, and, and they have, they have Shelly behind him. Um, I mean, I, I think Utah's got some depth yeah. there. Shelly, Shelly played, played pretty well. I like Andy Ludwig, Ludwig coming back in. Uh, I think he's a great OC. I think, you know, Utah, U, Utah paid, you know, top, top 12, pack 12 dollar uh, to, you know, Ludwig to come back. So I think, I think that they improve and I think he could have really have a breakout year with, uh, the defense, you know, being nasty again, forcing, you know, they should have some pretty favorable, you know, field position. And I think they'll be able to run the ball pretty effectively, but you're right. I mean, Utah's wide receivers have been all hat and no cattle for a while. Um, they're really going to have to, I think, step up and, uh, but in Ludwig's offense, they really should have an opportunity. So we'll see if, if, if Huntley's going to break out, it's gotta be this year. Yeah. I just looked and Britton Covey was their top wide receiver last year. Not a good sign. Uh, 637 yards, one touchdown. He's a, he's a monster of a small man. I mean, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he, that guy, he's a man. So tough. Uh, but he is, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that you want to get the ball in space. You want to, you know, slip into the cracks in a zone, um, and potentially get the ball. And, you know, he's not going to worry about going over the middle, but they, uh, they really struggle. I mean, there's a couple teams in the conference you could say this about, but Utah has really struggled, uh, to, to develop outside wide receivers that are a threat to, uh, both, uh, catch deep balls or, uh, even catch intermediate passes. The one thing to keep in mind, so Jalen Dixon was a freshman. He was their second uh, best wide receiver in terms of yards, 589. Yeah. And then that drops off to Samson Nakua. So, yeah, it's still – I'm just not super impressed with that. I really hope they develop them because if they do, holy Moses, that is a uh, – that could be a really nasty program in addition to the defense and the line and the running backs that you traditionally know when you think of Utah. If you take a look at uh, – I just want to go over – 
his stats here, and I cannot find it. He had a 64% completion percentage, 1,700 yards last season, almost 1,800. Uh, 7.6 per 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, I, I'd give him a four coming into the season, not just because of, of Huntley, but because they've got Shelley behind him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Shelley, uh, I'm going to give him a three. I'm going to give him a three, which is fine, right? I mean, that's that's. <laughs> And, and actually, no, fine. And, and to back up, um, I got to grade on a curve a little bit, right? If if we're giving if we're giving USC a three and Utah a three, I think Utah is ahead of USC. Uh, I mean, he did he did have you know as you said, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown tunnel vision. Like we need to find a way to shorten that yeah. into something a little more snappy. He has the higher upside, but um, oh for sure. But Utah has the the stronger uh, kind of floor and base in terms of the quarterback. I think. Um, man, I really hope he, but I hope he puts it together because, uh, because USC certainly, or sorry, not USC, um, Utah can certainly win the Pac-12 South and has a chance to win the Pac-12 if they can put that offense together and be as strong as they were. Bradley and a was huge last year on that defensive line. If he has another year like he had last year and the offense kind of makes some progression under Ludwig, oh my gosh, this Utah team could just be a monster. Yeah. All right, let's stop rubbing their back. Let's uh, let's yeah. move on. Who else do we want to talk about? Hey, you gave him a three. Like, that was... <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to head to the Palouse? Do you want to uh, talk, talk pirate ball? No, because we don't know who it is yet. Um, let's save that, because we wanted to do a quarterback. We're going to do a quarterback okay. battles podcast. Oh, yeah. There, there is, there are, I mean, there's, we kind of know who might start there, but yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah. let's move across the river to Oregon where like the, the good thing. Okay. So here, here's the, the good thing about, about Justin Herbert is the, <laughs> like people have finally calmed down about him. So I think, I think the expectations on, Oh my gosh, Justin Herbert could be a first round pick. And like, I think, yes, people are still saying that, but I think people that actually watch football, um, have kind of come to the right place with him. And he didn't have a terrible year, but he, he certainly didn't have a good year. 60% completion rate, 3,100 yards, 29 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So he wasn't making stupid errors, but like that, that, oh my gosh, like you, if you want to lead Oregon to the promised land, you got to be throwing like 65, 66, 67, like minimum. And 59 no, no, in a count. modern offense. In a modern offense, I mean, he was just below 60% completion. In a modern college offense, I mean, you need to be closer to 64, 65% completion. That's where KJ Costello is. Bang, bang. That's right. <laughs> we'll talk about him in a sec. So Herbert, like, I mean, four, right? I would assume. You give him, like, he's good. He he's needs good. to be significantly better for Oregon to be Oregon. And I don't trust their play callers farther than I can throw them. <laughs> but no, Arroyo Arroyo had some had some screw ups last season, and I mean I, I I like I like this Oregon team coming into this season. Um, I maybe like Utah a little more, but um, I, I think the question is with Herbert is, and it's somewhat true. I mean, he did not have the best core of wide receivers last year. Dylan Mitchell was really the only standout player on that unit. Um, I. Jawan Johnson, who is a grad transfer from Penn State that uh, I think still has a lot of pro scouts salivating because he's a really big body and has some speed uh, and had two years ago had a really terrific year at Penn State. Uh, if he can come in and replicate anything like he was two years ago, uh, I think Oregon's going to be very, very happy. If not, Dylan Mitchell's gone and it could be it could be a tough season. I, I think throwing the ball around, they, they could struggle a little bit. Uh, and Herbert at times 
got a little overwhelmed in the moment. Um, I'm, I like Herbert. I think, I mean, I, I think you, you feel good if you have Justin Herbert coming back. I don't know who really is sits behind him at this point. Burmeister transferred out. I can't remember even who their backup is at this point, but he didn't play much. Um, but Herbert, yeah, he's a, he's a four. There's some room for improvement. You, you'd like to see, I mean, particularly for going for the NFL, you'd like to see that completion rate come up. They did have a very highly touted uh, pro style quarterback. And I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Tyler show, but he had yeah, offers from yeah. Alabama and stuff. So, um, and he redshirted. So he has a little bit of time under whatever, whatever that playbook is. It's probably, it's probably like a playboy with, uh, you know, with like Pennzoil ads in it or something, but, um, he's been able to study it for whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Where else, what else do you want to talk about? I mean, should we do the red Baron? Let's do, the Let's do it. I'm, okay. I'm giving him a four straight up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. I love Steven Montez. I agree. Like I am in, I am sold. Steven Montez is a four. Ladies and gentlemen, 2019 back 12. And, and if you look at his numbers, uh, 50 or I'm sorry, 65% completion, 2,800 yards, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Th- that team just wasn't good last year. Um, I, okay. Here, here's a question. You are starting, Let's say you have like a B across the board NCAA football team from like, you know, 2017, whatever the last video game was. Um, do you do you want <laughs> do you want Justin Herbert or do you want the Red Baron? Ooh, man. Uh, I I mean, they both are sort of toolsy guys. Uh, you know, the, I mean, I, I think they get scouts excited. I would, I would take the Red Baron actually because I think he's always had to do it with worse. I mean, other than having Levisca Chenault, who was phenomenal, um, the last year the play calling was really bad, and it was really predictable. By the time they got into like the back half of conference play. Um, they ran into a lot of trouble with some very predictable play calls and a lot of passes that were really close to the line of scrimmage. I, I, I think I'd take Steven Montez. Wouldn't, would you, I mean, I, I, I trust him to, to be, to, to grow a little bit. I think even coming into this season, I, I think he, he was pretty good last season and in you know, some tough circumstances. It's kind of a lead in question, you know, because I, like I think part of the problem too was I watched more Colorado games than I watched Oregon games last year, so my mind might just be fixated on uh, that Nebraska game where he just threw like a gazillion crazy passes, Lavisca Schultz, and like, oh, he's awesome, he's back, the Bears back, and yeah. uh, the rest of the year not so much. Um, I don't know that the, the I, I okay I will say I will say Steve Montez because the the completion rate i did watch a decent amount of oregon football last year and it just like i i just i just didn't feel like he was connecting with his wide receivers um now that's in a vacuum if you were to put justin herbert with his wide receivers like you just mentioned now now i'm really taking steven montez <laughs> because at least he has oh, yeah. a couple of those younger up and coming guys plus chenault and like that's that's a decent that's a decent core around him yeah, I mean, and he didn't. I mean, Trevon McMillan was okay last season. I mean, he didn't have much of a running game to lean back on. But that offense just, I mean, after lighting the world up in the first six games, really just fell off in the last six. Um, and and Montez had some pretty tough games when Chenault was out injured. It was they 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 looked very very pedestrian at times. That said, I mean, I don't think it's hard. To, it would be hard to say Montez had as bad of a game as. 
uh, Herbert had against Oregon. That was one of the worst games of any Pac-12 quarterback. I mean, Arizona. I mean, that was one of the worst games of any Pac-12 quarterback last season. So, yeah. um, well, I don't we, know. I mean, we'll take the Pepsi challenge this year. Like, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Montez. I mean, they have they 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 have some decent talent that they've recruited behind him, but, um, and they certainly had time to develop because Mo- I feel like Montez, he's, he's like the, uh, Ronnie Turioff or Ronnie Turioff. He's been around forever. Um, he's, he's, they've had some time to develop some people behind him. I, I give him a four. I mean, you have to feel good having Steven Montez and Lewis Chanel coming into this season. That's a callback. Ronnie Turioff. I forgot about him. He was awesome. <laughs> he was <laughs> he really was good. Awesome. <laughs> and he was good on the Lakers. Well, he wasn't good on the Lakers, but he was fun on the Lakers. Uh, he was true. great at Gonzaga. He, had gr- he always had great hair. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. Who else we got? We have, again, we're not doing quarterback wars, quarterback wars right now, but, um, so who else is, so we have, do we, t- do we, do we count Jake Luton as the starter? Oh yes, we absolutely are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have thus deemed it, uh, that he will be the starter. No, I, I was listening to Angie Machado talk about like spring ball. And basically they were saying that Luton has it. And, uh, uh, that Nebraska transfer that they got in just wasn't quite there. And that makes me so happy. I hope he has a wonderful, beautiful year and he stays healthy because he is so fun to watch through the ball around route. He is. He's great. I mean, he's got a little bit of Brett Favre in him. Uh, he's river, he's got a little riverboat gambler. He's not a throw. He's not a f- afraid to uh, try to stick the ball into tight places. Uh, I really like uh, what they had going last year. Now, Luton, I will say, Gebby, you better be ready to play because Luton's probably going to get injured again this season. Uh, so, but he was he was good last season when he was in for the most part. I mean, sixty two, almost sixty three percent completion percentage. Uh, you know, seven point yards per uh, 10, 10 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He was he was pretty decent. And if you have Jamar Jefferson, who was a monster coming back uh, and this offense, I, I don't think he's going to have to carry, you know, that much of the load. I, I think he's going to have a pretty decent season. I'm still going to give him a two. <laughs> no, I mean, because he's, he's yeah. he, you're going to give him a two because it's it's. He's he has he has some bad moments, um, you know, and he's the, the talent, even though I think the play calling is there with Jonathan Smith, the talent around him isn't quite there yet. It, it's a two with a tuxedo shirt and adult beverage in his hand. Like it's a fun two, <laughs> but it's still a he's two. got a Canadian tuxedo. He's got the <laughs> jean jacket and jean jeans on. He's ready to go. Acid washed. Yeah, those glasses with like the slits in them, you know, what I'm talking about like that light yeah. up, you know, that's that's the type of two that we're talking about. But it's still it is what it is, you know. Um, all right. So who, if we're if we're skipping Cal. If we're going to say Jace, Chase Garbers and Devin Monster is a toss-up. Um, <laughs> I mean, that I mean, offense I'll was just, so bad last year. It's going to be so bad this year again. I mean, just don't play Brandon McIlwain. Um, don't do that. Um, I would play Devin Monster, but like I, I think the word I'm hearing out is uh, Chase Garbers is a little ahead. So yeah, because we'll guess what, <laughs> Monster isn't good. He was never good. He wasn't good. He was UCLA. good. You are you are mis- misremembering. I watched those he, games, Rob. He was not good. He was good. The stats are better than you remember. Great checkdowns are great for completion rates. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh. So in that case, then we have two places we could go. We can go to Tucson or we go to Palo Alto. Let's go to Palo Alto because we talk about Tucson too much. Um, KJ Costello. So, so I, I brought up the stats, right? Like the CFB stats. And I was surprised. Like I watched a lot of Stanford last year and I was so shocked that he was under Gardner Minshew 
who threw for 4,700 yards and 38 touchdowns last year. Gardner Minshew was a man child. 70% completion rate. Speaking of checkdowns. Um, <laughs> KJ Costello, 66% completion rate, 3,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I would venture to say that. 18 of those touchdowns were to uh, the tall guy that his name I can't remember. Ortega Whiteside. Yeah, Ortega which, Whiteside. which tall guy? I mean, there was, there was <laughs> yeah, the other tall. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I don't know. What do you, I, like, I, yeah, I give him a five, right? I mean, like, the yeah, wide receiving core isn't, isn't there. But. Absolutely. I mean, I think that also, you're right. Some of the wide receivers graduated. The running game just tanked, tanked last season. Um, but that means that Sanford's offense was really all on Costello and the wide receivers. And, and he was, he's got some footwork issues. Um, it's true. He's not great when you put pressure on him, but he's, he, he can put the ball where it needs to be. And, you know, last season, you know, people would say that he, uh, he got away with just throwing up, you know, jump balls. Uh, I would argue that that's, that's what JT Daniels at times got away with. Um, Costello was asked to put the ball in windows where his wide receivers would go up and get it. Uh, he didn't just play 500. Uh, I, I, I think Costello is probably the best quarterback in the league coming back. I, I'd give him a five. I mean, he was great last season and I, I think he can really Stanford's got a brutally tough schedule this, this year. They have UCF and non-conference and Notre Dame and somebody else, it is a, it's a tough slog for them. So I think that, uh, Costello could be a real big bright spot for, for them along with Paulson Adebo on defense. Yeah. When, when Max Meyer and Hithliday are both basically saying, I don't like Sanford at all. <laughs> that's, that's usually, oh. that's a giant, giant red flag. Um, I mean, the running game and the offensive line fell off so much. And then like you lose the wide receivers. I think Costello, his numbers could be worse, but he could be better this year. The one difference that, uh, I think the saving grace could be if the wide receivers don't get there is them going back to Stanford ball in the regards to the two tight ends, or at least one really good tight end. Because last year I was looking at the numbers. I mean, he was throwing finally to their wide receivers for years and years and years. It was just like tight end streaks or tight end, like, you know, just go routes, basically just run really far. And we'll throw it to you. Um, yeah. And that I, I'm wondering if they go back to that because they have continued to stockpile talent on the tight end side. And uh, yeah. I'd be curious to see if they pull through. There's a couple of years where the, they had a couple tight ends that were really highly touted, but they just, their hands weren't that great. And, you know, you hear those reports out of camp and I'm going, ah, yeah, whatever. Like they're going to, they're going to just jack it up. And they actually did. They started throwing to the wide receiver. So I'm wondering if it regresses in a good way uh, to the tight ends. I hope they do. Cause that's like my favorite type of football. Yeah, no, I mean, but Stanford was in 11 personnel a lot of last season. You know, they had only had one tight end on the field. And I, I could see them going back to having that, uh, that, that two tight end personnel on the field like uh, coming into this next season and hopefully figuring out how to run the ball again. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Khalil Tate. Tate the Great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I got to go back to his numbers here. They weren't good. I remember that. Um, they, they, on paper. There was some good. There was yeah. some good in there. Yeah. So 26, 20, 20, yeah, yeah. With 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So that was good. I would argue because I watched every Arizona game. I, I mean, I probably like I probably watched 75 percent of the Pac-12 games last year, uh, period. I watched all the Arizona games. That interception rate should have been around like 13 or 14. Uh, there was drop passes and bad throws that he was uh, chugging around that just got dropped. But I guess you could make that argument for everybody. Um, still. Like, that's not bad. If you look at it on just a white sheet of paper, that's that's decent. It's the 56 percent completion rate, Rob, where it kind of becomes a problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, unless you are, uh, and people, people do like to throw out like individual anecdote type stats from games where, you know, some teams blowing out another team. I, I think that if you went back and looked at Houston blowing out Arizona, uh, King, the Houston quarterback had something like a 55% completion rate in that game. And it was because he was just throwing bombs. Like he, he was throwing low percentage passes because they were up by, you know, roughly 40 points and they felt like they had a favorable matchup against a walk on corner that Arizona was playing. Um, Tate, you know, having a 56 completion, 56% completion percentage, that's brutal. And that's those, those are drives that just get killed because he's not completing passes. Uh, and some of it is on, you know, I don't think Tate has had the best wide receivers in his time at Arizona. Um, some of it is that he wasn't running the ball effectively. And so he was, the reads got harder as the defense was able to play conventional and more complex pass uh, coverage against him. But it was last season was, was not great for Tate. And there were lots of times um, that I thought he should have been pulled from the game for, for making really dumb, dumb throws time and time again. Yeah. And I got to go back and look at his rushing yards, but it was like 200 yards or something. It was, it was crazy. Um, it, it wasn't even close to what you would assume for. And obviously, I mean, he was hurt. That's the biggest argument he was, he was hurt, but at, at some point he, he wasn't <laughs> and he still wasn't right. running the ball. And some of that was by choice. And some of it in the beginning, I think it was play calling. And then at, as the year progressed um, and he got more healthy, there was the option to run and he still wasn't taking them as much as you would want a player of his caliber to do. I think the one thing with him is obviously that the talent is there and um, I mean, we've seen him be a transcendent player, period. And I'm just curious to see whether or not he's going to do that again. He absolutely needs to get better in the intermediate areas, like to be able to throw those passes and complete those passes like 10 yards, 12 yards down the field um, and, and put those wide receivers in a position to catch the ball and do some stuff. But uh, but yeah, 224 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Granted, some of that is taken back from sacks, but um, he's I mean, what what would be an acceptable amount of running if you are an Arizona fan and you're talking about Quill Tate? I mean, so if you're an Arizona fan, I mean, even to so go back to that Purdue game where he really lit Purdue up through the air, and he had a he had a bit of a tough time rushing. I think he still ran the ball almost 20 times in that game just to keep Purdue on their on their heels and respecting the run. But I think in a Mazzoni offense, you know, you're looking at more like 12 runs a game. I mean, that's about what Brent Hundley would put out there. Uh, and those UCLA offenses and, and Hundley had some wheels, not anything like Khalil Tate's wheels, but, um, that's what he, he really needs to be. He needs to have, you know, 12 times on an RPO or a, uh, um, you know, a, a read option. He needs to take the ball and go, um, so that the defense has to respect it. Um, and, and he can put up big plays, uh, in doing so. So, <sighs> I mean, I, I think Tate's a three, I was going to say that I was say it was a, it, it's a three, but it's the three of the guy walking on the hot coals at like a Tony Robbins, you know, yeah. <laughs> extravaganza thing going, Oh my gosh. Well, he's he's going to have his work cut out for him. I mean, he lost three of his, you know, top four. I mean, I actually, I think with the dismissal from the program, I think he lost his top four wide receivers off of last season. Oh no. Cedric Peterson's back. Um, you know, there's a lot of young guys there. He's got a running game to lean back on, but he's really got to learn the offense and make the right reads and, and throws. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about? No, no, I'm good. Okay. Well, congratulations to all the Pac-12 teams uh, for making it to the uh, Women's College World Series, and we hope that that everybody wins, even though we have to play each other. Um, 
12 pack radio is our Twitter handle. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google play tune and radio, Spotify, and visit the website. Check out Rob's beta rank numbers at wildcat radio AZ. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.